We're in the middle of a series called Our House, God's House. If you got your Bible, we're going to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, Now therefore, we are no longer strangers and foreigners. Don't you love church that you get to meet a wide diversity of people and your life's enriched by people who aren't like you? And as a result of meeting them, you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens, he says, with the saints and the members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself became the chief cornerstone. Now, when it comes to the house of God, we've got to understand that Jesus is our cornerstone. He's our plumb line. He's our level. If you don't build a house that's level, it tips over. It doesn't stand the test of time. If we wanna build our lives on something that's solid and secure, we've gotta make sure that Jesus is our cornerstone. It says in Him, the whole building is being fitted together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom we are being built together. You also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You know, I love the fact that many people talk about change. You know, you would have heard a statement before, don't just talk about change, don't wait for change, but be the change. You know, we don't wanna wait for a revival. Many people can pray for a revival, but I believe God is looking for a people to be the revival. After all, we carry the Holy Spirit. Greater is He that is within us than anything that is in the world. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us and gives life to our mortal bodies. We can bring a change to the world around us. And I love when it comes to church, many people think, well, I attend church. No, that's not the New Testament. The New Testament isn't that we just attend a meeting on a Sunday. Yes, that's a critical part of getting together. But God's plan is that you and I would become the church become the church, that we would become a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. When I read the Bible, I see the impact of a fully mobilised church where everybody's engaged, everyone's involved, a church that's not on the edge of society, not, not a small group of people doing their bit that's just ignored by society. I see a church that turns their known world upside down. After all, that's what the early church did. And that's the church that I believe God wants to see in our society today. An alive church, a fun church, an engaging church, a church that's a little bit crazy, a little bit messy. How many know wherever there's people, there's gonna be mess. But but a church that's faith inspiring and believing that they could be a vehicle to see God's kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, when it comes to church, I've been around church my whole life for as long as I can remember. My father was originally a farmer, but God called him off the farm and he led a church. And so by the age of three, I was in church. In fact, I remember growing up, sleeping under the pews. And in those days, in the night services, there wasn't a kid's program. The kids were in the service and would fall asleep under the pews. So I was taking in a a whole lot by osmosis. I don't know if I was taking them much at all, but that's how I grew up. Now I'm thankful that the church has progressed. In fact, back in that day, if you're a pastor's wife, you would be the one playing the organ. I can't imagine my wife today playing the organ, but that's how it was back then. Now I'm thankful that the church has moved and that our expression is contemporary. One thing I say at Equipus Church, when it comes to our belief, 
our belief. We're conservative in what we believe, but we are contemporary in how we express it because we want to speak the language of the day, but we don't want to remove ourselves from the truth of who God is. And when I read the Bible, I, I see, you know, a church. I was captivated by a church that, that, that's full of energy, full of life, that's making a difference in its world. I had my first encounter in church when I was three. I think I said the sinner's prayer. I didn't really know what I was saying at the time. But at the age of eight, I had a greater understanding of what I was saying because I woke up in the morning feeling this sense of guilt. I don't know what I had done the night before, but I just felt this guilt that I needed a Savior. I went downstairs. My father was praying. And it was there I had a greater revelation of God's love, God's forgiveness, and God's plan for my life. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of 11. At the age of 18, I came to a place where I was thinking, God, if this is real, if what I read is real, if what I feel in my spirit is real, I can't be half-hearted about this. I've got to give myself totally to it. In fact, I live from the premise, if you're in, let's go all in. And if you want a title for this message today is, we're all in. Because when it comes to God's plan and purpose in the kingdom of God, I believe it works off the premise of I'm all in. See, a lot of people today, you know, when it comes to church, their Christian life, they dip their toe in and they dip their toe out. They put their hand in and they put their hand out and maybe they shake it all about. But one thing the church is not, is not the hokey tokey. You know, that may be fun for you, but if we're to make a difference, if we're to fulfill God's plan and purpose, it comes off the premise that we're all in. In fact, that's how the kingdom of God operates. I figure if you're in it, let's be in it. See, many of us are missing out on the potential of what God wants to do simply because we don't know the purpose of what we're using, what we're involved in. It's like our phones. If you've got a phone, you may want to pull it out. You know, your phone has probably got more capacity than you realize. In fact, it's talking all the time. It's communicating with people, telling other organizations all about who you are and what you interact with. It's scary today what our phones can do. I didn't realize that even tapping the back of your phone, you can program the latest iPhone just by a tap on the, la- uh, on the back of the phone. It can take pictures. You don't even need to open it. You're just tapping the back of the phone. You know, there's things on our phone I'm discovering all the time. If you hold down the up or the volume button, it's like you can take a video instantly. If you hold down the the volume down button, you can take a burst of photos. I don't know who I'm helping today, but maybe that's helpful for you. See, a lot of us don't use our phones to our capacity, to its capacity, but I challenge to say it's the same with the church. A lot of us, you know, aren't fulfilling our God-given potential because we don't understand God's plan and God's purpose for the church. The church, get this, is the house of God. It's the gateway to heaven. In the Old Testament, it's Bethel. But in the New Testament, it's called the Ecclesia. That's a Greek word for it. And the Ecclesia is simply a group of people have been called out for a specific purpose. The church wasn't a building. It was a group of people who were on mission, who had been called out for a specific purpose. See, as a believer, we can have a vision for many different things. We can have a vision for our family, for our finances, for a life partner, for our careers. But I challenge to say, one of the most important visions that you and I can carry is a vision for God's house, the house of God. 
Because it's in the house of God, it's all those facets, those different facets, they, they come together. See, for a lot of people today, they call themselves Christians, but, but church is just one among many things that they do. It's like, well, I do sports, I've got my career, I've got all this, and then I do church. But God's plan for the church is that, that it would be an add-on, but it would be central to the life that we actually live. You know, I want to say, how, how many, and for those who have been around church for a while, how many have met some of their best friends in church? Yeah, I challenge to say a lot of us have. You know, how many here oh, listening to this right now met their spouse in church? A lot of people would lift their hands to that. Maybe right now you're hoping to meet your spouse. Church is a great place to meet your spouse, your life partner. You know, I know a lot of marriages have been strengthened and supported in church. I know a lot of careers have been birthed in church. People have got clarity when it comes to God's call to their life in the house of God. Yeah, a lot of people also have had their best holidays and their best experiences with people that they've met at church. Just looking through social media the other day and there was a group of people from our church, you know, going on holiday in Queenstown, celebrating milestones and it looked like they had an incredible time. But that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the church. They wouldn't have met one another. In fact, I wouldn't have married Kathy if it wasn't for the church because I met her in church at the age of 14. Uh, but so often we dismiss the impact of the church. It's amazing how many people, you know, find their life partner in church and then stop attending church. I'm going like, what's up with that? That's crazy. See, a lot of people don't understand the impact and the, the, the power that comes from, from the church of Jesus Christ. And a lot of us have a low, what I call ecclesiology. A low ecclesiology is where we have a low understanding of what the church is and our role in it. So the question we're asking today is not how can we attend church, but how can we be the church? Be the church. You know, over the years, I've had many people come up to me and go, well, the church doesn't care. I was going through this tough time and nobody came to visit me. What they in essence are really saying is no pastor came to visit me. But when you unpack it a little bit, you find out this person from church visited them, that person from church visited them, that person from church visited them. In fact, they were well supported, but they didn't see the church as the church unless it was a leader and a pastor. But that's so contrary to the New Testament view of the church. The, the church is about everybody being involved in this thing, as we'll talk about today. Uh, today, a lot of people, though, they, they call themselves Christians, but they attend church on a semi-regular basis. But outside of that, they have no real commitment or investment into the house of God. I want to say, if we don't fully understand the purpose of something, it's destined for misuse. Take the wooden spoon, for instance. The wooden spoon is an identity crisis. How many growing up got the wooden spoon? No, I'm not talking about as a gift, a birthday present. I got a wooden spoon. No, you got the wooden spoon. You know what I'm talking about right now. Now, the wooden spoon is designed to be wooden simply so it wouldn't transfer heat, the heat. If you're stirring a pot, it wouldn't transfer the heat from that pot to your hand. But I found over the years that the wooden spoon has transferred a lot of heat to a lot of hands and a lot of backsides simply because it's had an identity crisis. See, if you don't understand the purpose for something, 
is destined for misuse. And a lot of people still have a limited understanding when it comes to God's purpose for the church. And because we don't understand it, we misuse it. In fact, I challenge to say a lot of people have a cultural view of church rather than a biblical view of church. Well, that's church. That's what I grew up in. That's what I've experienced. Well, just because you experienced it doesn't mean it's God's purpose for it. And everybody today has a view, but we really can't comprehend how awesome, how amazing God's plan is for His church. And could it be today that it's bigger than we think it is? Some of you are saying, well, Sam, that's all right for you. You're just talking about this because you're employed by the church and you're a pastor. No, before I was doing this, you know, I was still invested into the church. When I read about the church in the Bible as 18 year, I thought, man, this is worth giving my life to. Because after all, what's Jesus coming back for? He's coming back for His church. It's His bride. He died for the church. He's invested His life into the church. So this body is not something to be taken for granted. It's not something to dismiss. In fact, you know, I don't do this for wage. You know, there's an easier way to earn a living. I'm not doing this for the title, but I believe in God's plan for the church. I've got a revelation of that. And the church is central to God's plan for humanity. We see a lot of issues in the world. You know, right now I've got a lot of issues going on. God's plan to, to rectify, to bring answers to people is to mobilize His people called the church, His body called the church. People today say, well, I can be a Christian and go to church. Well, you can if you want to live a minimal life, minimal Christian existence. But you're really saying, I'm a Christian, but I have no interest in God's plan for my life. You know, I just want a God who makes me happy, a God who meets my need. You know, I, I want a God who's on dial, just at my convenience. But God is not a Uber Eats God. He doesn't just come and meet you where you're at. You know, people today say, well, I don't want none of this follow business. You know, I want God to come into my world. I don't want to have to shift or do anything that's going to inconvenience my world. But that's not the gospel. That's not the message of Jesus Christ because Jesus said we're to daily take up our cross, not just on Sundays, but daily take up our cross and follow Him. In fact, to me, church, and I've broken it down over the years, church to me, it can be summed up in this statement. It's simply a whole lot of friends, get this, a whole lot of friends challenging one another to go higher on God. What are we? We're, we're just a group of friends. What's got in the road of God's purpose is hierarchies and ministry is done by those who are qualified. You know, and, and we've limited the church. But what are we? We're a whole lot of friends Anything God does that's significant comes from the foundation of relationship. It comes from friendship. We're a whole lot of friends, what? Challenging one another. What's the challenge about? That's about the mission of God. What came first, the church or the mission? I like what one person says, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. The mission, the commission to go came before the church's existence. And God said the best way to fulfill that mission is this thing called the church, the body of Christ. And so we're challenging one another, one another, get this, one another. So, so the church is a whole lot of friends challenging one another. 
Not just one person challenging a whole lot of people, but we're challenging one another. And I believe we we need to see the church empowered where everybody is is commissioned to fulfill their God-given potential, their call, their destiny. And we're challenging one another to go higher in God. And it's so important that everything we do in church is Christ-centered. Another name for church in the Bible is, is, is fellowship. It's where fellowship takes place. Fellowship, what's fellowship is simply a whole lot of fellows in the same ship. The Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. And and koinonia appears 19 times in the New Testament. 12 times it appears as fellowship. Uh, Three times it appears as sharing, two times participation and two times contributing. A lot of people, you know, come along to church and attend church, but they don't view it as a place that they contribute to or they share. But, but church is all about participation. In fact, in the Bible, there's 59 one another's. So ministry isn't meant to be one to many. It's meant to be us ministering and caring and, and showing the love of Christ to, to each other. But in how many settings right now are we just leaving it to a few? Today, I just quickly want to give you three statements about church. So you ready for this? Three statements about church that that could help you in your understanding as to God's plan and purpose for the church. The first statement, number one, first statement is, I am a brick. Just say that out loud. I am a brick. That's not encouraging, Sam, but it's in the Bible. Here we go. This is going to be encouraging though. First Peter chapter two, verse one, it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all evil, evil speaking. How many know if we got those things out of the world right now, the world would be a better place? All malice, seeking to do people harm, all lying, deceit, hypocrisy, envy and all evil speaking. It says, let's get rid of those. And as newborn babes, let's desire the pure milk of the Word that you might grow. A lot of people today, their lives governed by popular opinions, but we're gonna desire the pure milk of the Word. Yeah, not just stuff that's written on the internet. That's why we need to go to the Bible. Therefore, if indeed you've tasted the Lord, uh, that the Lord is gracious, coming to Him, it says, coming to Him as to a living stone or a, an alive brick, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. So here's the deal. You're not just a brick, but you're a precious brick. Uh, you also, are, as living stones, what are you being built? You're being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a brick. I'm a brick. I'm a stone. And what are we being built into? We're being built into a spiritual house. Now, a brick by itself is not that significant, but you put a whole lot of bricks together, man, it can be a place where God comes and fills with His glory. It can be significant. And I want you to get this today because when it comes to building God's house, you are the material that God uses to build His house. God doesn't use bricks and mortar in the natural he uses people. And how many know a home is only as good as the material being used? We just need to look at the troubles in the construction industry over the years. You know, they've used wrong materials and it's caused leaks. It's caused a whole lot of damage. It's meant that homes haven't been able to withstand 
uh, storms, haven't been able to withstand earthquakes because wrong materials have been used. But I like this passage of Scripture because it talks about how we are being fitted together. We're being fitted together. We're bricks, but we're being fitted together to create this dwelling place for God and the Spirit. I want to say, who you stand next to in life matters. How many know it's really awkward when you sit next to somebody and they don't want to connect? Maybe you're on a plane and you start a conversation and they're just giving you one-word answers. And next minute they're putting on their headphones and it's like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. You know, there's a lot of people who come to church on Sunday, sin and service, but they don't connect with people. And they're missing the purpose of the church. The, the church is all about connection. It's all about joins. And I challenge to say, it's the process of being fitted together that actually makes you and I good material, that shapes us. It's, it's the joinery in our life that, that makes us waterproof. It's the joins, it's the connections that actually make the difference. We're just a brick by ourselves, but joined to another person, we can become a dwelling place for, the, for God and the Spirit. Question is, who are you joined to? See, for people to connect, that, that's going to require humility of heart, an openness of spirit, a generosity. And it's those qualities that actually make us good material. None of us are good material by ourselves. None of us are effective by ourselves. Now, I, I met somebody just the other week and he goes, well, you know, I don't know about church and this people. People are frustrating. I don't like working so much with people. You know, and people can be frustrating. You know, we've all got annoying relatives. We've all got people that we don't get on with. But it's our engagement with people that actually, it's not just about what we can do for them, but they shape us. I love the story of Nehemiah in the Bible. Question is, did Nehemiah build the wall or did the wall build Nehemiah? Could it be that God's put people in your world to shape and develop you? And as you're ministering to them, it's like you're being ministered to at the same time. See, a lot of people think, well, I'll do God a favour and I'll show up at church. No, none of us are doing God a favour. We get to partner with God. We get to be part of this awesome thing. If people really knew God's plan and purpose for the church, I believe they go, where, where can I sign up? Where can I join? Because God has an incredible purpose for the church and He uses you and I. We have the privilege of being His material that He uses to build His house. First thing, number one is I'm a brick. Second thing is, number two is I am a minister. That's right, you are a minister. If you believe in Jesus, you have a ministry that God's called you to. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 right now. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teacher. It says, their responsibility is to equip God's people. Uh, are you one of God's people? I hope you are. If you're not, at the end of the service, there'll be an opportunity to respond to Jesus. It's to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. So who's the role, whose role is it to build up the church, to do the work? You know, many people are, well, that's the pastor's job. No, those gifts have been given to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, as other versions will say. And it says, this will continue until, until, 
Okay, so there's a little bit of a proviso on here. It says, until we come to such unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son that we become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, question is, is anybody there yet? You know, anybody at the full measure of the standard of Christ? Man, I don't know about you, but I've got a way to go. We're not there yet. So this applies to here and now. This continues. This is how it's meant to function, not just back in the early church, but in today's church. We're meant to raise up people who do the work of the ministry, who build up the church. And it goes on and it says, then we will no longer be immature children. Immature like children. We won't be tossed, blown about by every wind of new teaching. How often are we seeing that today? People just blown away, around by the opinions of man. People today believe if it's popular, it must be true. I believe God right now is looking for some people who are centered on the Word of God. It goes on and says, We not, will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. It can sound like the truth. But the danger is we're building ourselves, uh, building our lives on something that's shaky. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. That's what I'm doing right now. This may be a little bit hard to hear. You might need to make some adjustments after this message, but I'm speaking the truth in love so that you may grow in every, grow in every way more and more like Jesus, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. I don't believe you are where you are by chance. If you're located in the church, I believe God's placed you there for a reason and it goes on. And each part does its own special work. You gotta get this. This is so rich. God's given you a special work to do. Question is, if you don't do the work, the special work that you're called to do, who's doing it? Could it be the church, the body of Christ is missing out on something? Come on, let's not just attend church. Let's be the church. And you've got a special assignment. How do I know this? Again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are His workmanship. We are His masterpiece, some people, some versions put it. We are His masterpiece and we're being recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do. He's prepared them in advance. He's designed you so that you could fulfill that work. You don't have those gifts. You don't look the way you look by chance. God's got an assignment for your life. And if you don't step up, something's missing. So you've got to understand, you are a minister. Oh no, there's somebody else's wrong. No, no if, if you know Jesus, you are a minister. And ministry is an everyone deal. Ministry, you've got to get this in the essence. Ministry means simply to serve. If you can serve, you can minister. I haven't met a person who can't serve. I've met a whole lot of people who won't serve. But I haven't met people who can't serve. And we've got to understand the church moves forward when everybody understands we have a ministry. And when a church is functioning like that, church is, in essence, it's a colony of heaven. We're meant to display to a world around us what heaven is like. And at, at, at her best moments, the church's best moments, that's what it does. It shows the world around what heaven's like. And there's nothing like a church functioning as God intended it to be. You know, you've got to understand, God's plan for this is huge. And it's a place where we get equipped. 
for ministry. So the first thing is, number one, I'm a brick. Second one is, I'm a minister. Third one is, number three is, I'm a part of God's family. Here's the deal. Before you even come through the doors of church, it's like, welcome, you're already loved. You don't need to do anything to be accepted. You're already accepted and you're already loved. Instant family. You've got brothers and sisters who don't look like you, don't think like you, they're different to you, but that's church. That's the richness of church. Now I've found a lot of people have romantic notions when it comes to having kids. You know, oh man, it'd be awesome having kids. Yeah, it's awesome. But it doesn't feel like that at 2 a.m. in the morning. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? You know, it doesn't feel like that when they've made a mess, you know, they put their hand in their mess and then wiped it all around the walls. It's like, how do I put this child back? (laughs) There's no putting it back. You know, it ain't pretty in a lot of places, but, you know, when it comes to children, it's worth it. I want to say as well, when it comes to the church, church is messy. It's messy. We've all got our issues. We've all got people in our world who's like, what? We've all got a crazy cousin. We've all got an uncle who says inappropriate things at, at, at wrong times. We've all got that, but, but they're part of the family of God. And you've got to get this, God's role for the church. And Psalm 68 puts it well. Verse six, it says, God places the lonely in families. In families. Right now, there's a loneliness epidemic. We can be surrounded by people, but still lonely because we don't have genuine connection. It goes on, he says, he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. And you gotta hear me right now, because we all have this inbuilt need to belong. But you gotta understand, the moment you gave your heart to God, you're part of the family of God. You're not an outsider, you're an insider. Some people go, well, I don't fit. I challenge to say that's actually the wrong question. It's like, how do I fit? It's not about fit. Kingdom of God is not about fit as much as it's about flow. To fit something, you know, you've got to, it's got to be stationary. But the church is never meant to be stationary in, in one point in time. It's always moving. It's always advancing. It's all, always taking new territory. You know, I'm glad, you know, we're not playing the organ. I'm glad that we're progressed in, in many different areas. I, I, I'm glad about that. So it's not about fitting in as much as flowing, getting in the flow of. And a lot of people, you know, sometimes don't feel like they belong simply because they're looking to fit. Now, one thing I'm believing for right now is I'm believing for a sustainable revival. You know, we're seeing unbelievable moments in God. You know, moments where over 400 people have responded to Jesus in one meeting. That's huge. That's revival. But I don't want that revival just to last in that moment. I want to see a sustainable revival. And a sustainable revival, its foundation is, if there's a sustainable revival, its foundation is relationship. Yeah, you know, I really believe we need to flip the script in some places. Because many of us, you know, think church is a meeting. But even when it comes to the meeting, I don't come to a meeting because of the meeting. I often come to the meeting because of the relationship. Number one, the relationship with God. He's worthy of all my praise, but also the relationship with one another. I believe the church could cut down on a lot of activity and advertising if, if Christians were, were just convinced of what they should be convinced with from the moment they gave their heart to Jesus. Yeah, you know, the coming together. And, and you've got to hear me. Relationship is the context in which God moves. 
But so often we're trying to get people engaged with the activity, with the institution, with an organisation. But my belief is significant ministry flows out of significant relationship. And that happens if we, as we all understand we're part of the family. We belong. Come on, if you call a church your home church, don't be a stranger in your own home. You're no longer a stranger. You're no longer a foreigner. A stranger can be a resident alien. You reside, but you're not a citizen yet. And you distance yourself and remove. This is a chance where I believe God is calling His church, His people to say, come on, let's go all in. And let's see God's plan and purpose for the church fulfilled in our lifetime. I really believe this is the greatest season for the church. And as we get a greater understanding of what God wants to do and we buy into it, I believe we're going to see stuff, things happen like we've never seen before. Hey, wherever you are right now, you're a brick. (laughs) Say, I am a brick. I'm a minister and I'm part of the family of God. What I want you to ask right now in this environment is just a quick question. Is Holy Spirit, what would you say to me through this message because I know the Holy Spirit is speaking we've just got to open our ears and wherever we need to bring alignment to our lives or whether we need to adjust our thinking come on let's have the humility of heart to agree with God because as we do that God brings the changes that are necessary in our world and I know when you honour God when you honour Him when you build His house He looks after you your house. And so I'm praying for God's blessing into your world. If you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, friend, He's just a prayer way. You can know Him if you choose to believe in your heart that He is Lord. And if you confess with your mouth that God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says you'll be saved. So today you can pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, today I choose to trust You with my life. I acknowledge what You did on the cross paying the price of my sin. Today I give my heart to you. Come live in me and be my Lord and Saviour. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you pray a prayer like that, God will come and meet you right where you're at. Hey, we love you. We're for you. We're praying for God's blessing over your life. And this is the greatest season for the church. Our house, God's house. God bless. Love to see you sometime soon.